I've titled the message this morning, A Simple Trust. A Simple Trust. That when we trust in God and we have a faith that becomes deeply rooted in our hearts and it's well-maintained, it's watered, it's manicured, it's pruned, so to speak, as John talks about and we'll talk about in a little bit. As we maintain that, as we manicure it, as we water it, and it takes root, that trust in our hearts, out of that, it becomes, as Psalm 1 says, we become like a stream that is planted by living waters, which yields its fruit in due season, which leaves do not wither, and whatever we do prospers. Now, how amazing is that? Think about that for a second. When we have a simple trust, we place our faith in our Savior, and it takes root in our heart. He says right at the beginning of the psalm that out of that come streams of living water. We're planted like trees by streams of living water, yielding fruit in due season. Our leaves do not wither, and whatever we do prospers. That is an amazing promise. This morning, we're going to look at a passage, a very familiar passage of Scripture in Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your tablets, you have your iPhones, your iPads, whatever you might have, pull those out and let's look at that together and read that together. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, one of my favorite passages. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will make our paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and do what? Shun evil, flee from evil. And what is the promise? This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I love that with every command, every principle in the word, which is, as we know, living, breathing, active, it is relevant for us, you and I, today, this very day. That with every principle and every command, there is always what? A promise that follows the principle. When we do what? When we walk out and obey those principles. So what are those promises? Well, when we trust the Lord with all of our hearts and we lean not on our own understanding and we acknowledge him in all of our ways, here's the promise. He makes our paths straight. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. And then it goes on. Here's the command. Here's the principle. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Shun evil. Flee from evil. And here's the promise. It will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. How amazing is that? That is one passage in the word that we can focus on and look at. And let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but when I think about it and I break it down, it gets me excited because these principles and these precepts and these truths do what? They set us free, and they lead us in paths of truth and righteousness, as the Word says. As young kids, we learn this. His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We might not see the entire path, but He lights our way step at a time when we are in the Word. So let's break that down this morning. What's the first part of that? 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now, it's easy for you and I to do what? It's easy for me to just skip over the word all, right? We hear, so we see it all the time. We read the word all, all the time. But let's focus on that for a second this morning. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Trust the Lord with all of our hearts. What does that mean? That means every single ounce of our very being. That means every single part of us. That means every single room. That means every single corner of our heart, our soul, our very being. We are to do what? Trust him in every circumstance, in every context, in the good, the bad, the ugly, so to speak, in every area of our lives. We're to trust him. We are to live as believers a what? A fully integrated life. Now think about that for a second. What does that mean? A fully integrated life. That means as believers, we do not live a divide between sacred and secular. It's not a, well, I trust God in this area, but not in this area. I trust him in this part of my life, but I haven't really given him all the trust in this area. Here, but not there. We are to live what? A fully integrated life to trust God, as the word says, with all of our hearts. What's the very definition of trust? Trust is a firm belief. Listen to this. A firm belief, a certainty an assurance, a deep-rooted faith in someone or something. That means that you and I, when we trust God with all of our hearts, we have a deep and we have a firm trust in our Savior, a firm certainty in the creator of creation, an assurance in the God of the universe, a deep faith in the one who never leaves us or forsakes us or lets us down. That is the definition of trust. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. A firm belief, a certainty, assurance, a deep-rooted faith. Now, this is a simple illustration this morning, a simple story. It's comparable to a child. Think about your children. If you have children, your kiddos, a child and their father, and the child grabs the father's leg. The child is in close proximity to the father. And when that child, because he trusts the father, wholly and completely, 100%, grabs hold of the leg. So wherever that, wherever that dad, wherever that father is going, wherever he is walking, that child goes. So the child is not led in the wrong direction or the wrong way. That child holding on with their arms and the father holding on to them is safe and secure if they experience unsecure, unstable ground, what does the father do? He makes the path smooth. He supports the child. He guides them along the way. And that child is safe and secure. As we are in the same picture with our heavenly father. When we draw near to him, when we stay near, when we wrap our arms around him, when we trust him with all of our hearts, every ounce of our being, he doesn't lead us in the wrong direction or the wrong way. You know, a lot of times we hear, how do, you, how do you walk and operate in the center of God's will? A lot of times we hear about God's will for our lives. What is God's will for your life? I wasn't even planning to say this this morning. This came out just in this moment. What is God's will for our 
lives. And a lot of times we think it's this unknown entity just kind of floating around out there. God's will. i got to find God's will for my life. How do I find God's will for my life? Well, maybe if I study this or go here or do this or sing this or I'm a part of this, I'll find God's will for my life. And let me tell you something. It's not that challenging or difficult or complicated. We make it complicated, don't we? God's will for our life is to be in an unbroken communion and relationship with him. God's will for our life is to follow him daily, to seek him, to crucify ourself, and to say, God, allow your spirit to live and breathe in me today. And it is simple as that because when we do that, God leads us and he directs our paths. We're not going to find ourselves in a ditch somewhere. We're not going to be led in the wrong direction. We're not going to fall over here, stumble over here, when we have that unbroken relationship with the Lord. He leads us and he guides us. That's being in the center of God's will. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. I saw a picture last week. We were at my parents in D.C. We took a little uh, historical trip to uh, Washington, D.C. and Williamsburg for the kids. They love it. They love studying the presidents every night at dinner. Uh, we have that Alexa deal, you know, where you say, Alexa, tell us this, tell us that. And uh, they say, we sit down at dinner, they say, Alexa, who was the 16th president? And Alexa will say, Abraham Lincoln. And, man, they just get the biggest kick out of that. They love that. Next night, Alexa, who was the shortest president? We found out that the shortest president, I think, was James Madison. He was 5'2", just in case you wanted to know that information. But we love it. So we were at their, at their house last week, and I saw a picture. They pulled out a picture, and I was nine years old. And it was a picture of me sitting on top of a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Now, when I was nine years old, I pronounced the word Cherokee, Cherokee. I had not learned the correct pronunciation since I have, and I no longer call it a Grand Cherokee, Cherokee. It is a Grand Jeep Cherokee. But I was on top of this in full hunting gear. Neon orange, I had the hat on, the whole deal, and I can remember uh, this day going hunting with my dad, with my father, and I was sitting on top of this Jeep, his Jeep that he used for hunting, and there was a deer beside me. I think it had 10 points for all you hunters out there. I might have exaggerated a little bit. I might only have four, but let's say 10 because I don't remember exactly, but it was right beside me, and I was, I was sitting by it, and obviously we had gone hunting that day. And we had found, shot, and killed this deer. Now, it was the first time I had ever been hunting, and it was one of the few and only times I've been hunting. Not that I do not like the outdoors, but it messes up my hair, and I just don't like to do it. But the, um, and I'm totally kidding about that. Not really. But the, uh, but we were hunting, and I can remember being nine years old, and think about this for a second. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The father, my dad, he'd been hunting hundreds of times. He knew these woods in and out. He knew where to find the deer, how to hint, uh, hunt down the deer, the greatest opportunities to place yourself in a, a place to find the deer. And as a nine-year-old boy, I was excited. I was eager. I walked out there with him into those woods, and, man, I was in close proximity. I did not leave his side. When he said, go this way in the woods, I went that way and I followed along. When he said, go this way, I went that way. When he said, wait, I waited. When he said, rest, listen, I listened. I can remember. When he said, watch over here, I watched over here. Dads, moms, you know what I'm talking about. And when he said, there's the deer, 
He showed me how to hold the gun, how to aim the gun, how to point the gun. And with his finger on the trigger, showed me how to fire that gun. And obviously, based on the picture, we walked away with a deer uh, that day. But how comedic would it have been? How unwise, even as a nine-year-old, would it have been if I had walked into those woods, first time ever hunting, as a nine-year-old boy, with my father, knowing that my dad had hunted so many times and knew where to lead me and to guide me. You know where this is going. And we walked into that, those woods, and I said, Dad, listen, I'll meet you in five minutes. I'm going to go this way and see what I can find. It's kind of comedic to think about, isn't it? But how many times do we do that in our own lives? I'm guilty of myself. How many times do we say, you know what? I'm going to take this into my own hands. I'm going to use my own strength, my own intellect, my mind, my ability, and I'm going to navigate and find myself and my way through the woods because I think I know the best route to take when all along the Father is right there saying, let me show you the way. Let me show you the best way. Follow me. Trust me. It's a trust factor. Trust me with all your heart. And that brings us to the next part of that verse, Proverbs 3, 5. Look at it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do what? Lean not on your own understanding. Leaning on our own understanding means to rely on our own understanding. To lean on our own understanding means to rely on our own intellect, our own ability, our own training, our own personal experience instead of relying on God, the Savior, the God of the universe himself. Now, think about that for a second. When we have the creator of creation, the God of the universe, who is offering us his wisdom, his power, his understanding, when we have complete access to his throne room, when he says, trust me with all your heart and I'll lead you in truth and righteousness, I'll guide your steps, it seems a little crazy, doesn't it, sometimes for us to try to lean on our own understanding. But oftentimes we do it and it's a trust factor when he's asking us to do what? In every area, trust in him with all of our hearts. Now, I remember being in my mid-20s, and we were in Franklin, Tennessee, and I remember it being a Saturday, and we had a Civic, a Honda Civic that we had had for about six months, I can remember. It was a brand new Civic. And I was driving around. I can remember Morgan was a toddler. She was in the back seat with her curly hair. She had a lot of curly hair at the time. And she's in the back seat hanging out. Sarah was probably having a spa day, having a facial, manicure, pedicure, probably doing a little Botox, something like that, which she is often, often doing. I won't say that in second service when she's here. I'll skip over that part. That is not the truth. She, she's never done that. The Botox part. The, uh, but she was probably at work. Who knows what she was doing that day? But it was just Morgan and I, and we were running. So we were going by this Jeep dealership. I can remember. It's still there in Franklin. We drove by. And what caught my eye but a shiny Jeep sitting on the parking lot. And I looked over, and I thought to myself, man, that Jeep looks good. I need to have that Jeep today. Now, I must have been bored 
I must have not had anything to do. I was in my mid-20s. I was a very unwise person. I was not seasoned, so to speak, and I'm still learning. But I was even more unwise at that time. And I saw this Jeep sitting there, and I rolled by and rolled in. And next thing I knew, I was rolling out, having traded in the Civic that I'd only had for six months, and rolled out with the Jeep. Now, I felt really good about myself. I thought, man, this is amazing. I have a Jeep. It is summertime in Tennessee where the temperature gets to about 95 degrees, 100 degrees, many, many times, sweltering heat. It's a lot of humidity, as you know, for you that have been in Tennessee. And I'm rolling out, and I thought, I cannot wait to get home and show Sarah my new purchase. I don't know why you laugh at that. So I rolled in. I was waiting, waiting. Morgan was there. We were driving around in the Jeep, parked it. Sarah walked in. I said, hey, babe, check out the new purchase. She's, what is that? Uh, I I bought a Jeep. Well, with cautious optimism, she walked out and saw it. We got into the Jeep, and I was showing her all the different gadgets and how amazing it is. I said, let's take a roll. Let's take the top off. Let's do our thing. Well, guess what she did first? It was about 95 degrees out, and she was looking on the dash, and she said, Where's the AC? I said, oh, it's down there somewhere. I don't know. Just probably find it over here. Right? And then I started continuing to tell her about the the Jeep. So we rolled out. We were rolling down. And she wouldn't let it go. She said, I can't find the air condition. Where is the AC button? Is it hidden in the back? Is this some special Jeep? Is it under the floor mats? Like, where is the air condition? Because I'm sweating. I said, oh, it's over here somewhere. Well, it started to dawn on me why I received such a great deal on this Jeep. It didn't have air conditioning. It was probably the only Jeep on the Jeep lot in Tennessee that did not have air conditioning, and I bought it. So for the next couple of years, everywhere I went in the summer when I got out, I was soaked head to toe in sweat. And that's what happens when you lean on your own understanding. That's what happens when you're wise in your own eyes. That's what happens when you do not get wise counsel. Now, thank goodness. Now, we don't get it right every single time, but thank goodness now from lessons learned in life experience, we lay these things before the Lord. We pray. We process. We take them to men and women who are trusted men and women of God that we get wise counsel from on literally everything we do. And one of our mottos in our house is if it has to be now, even with our kids, it's no. Now think about that for a second. If it has to be now, how many times do we go, I got to have that now? Oh, I got to have that right now. Oh, I got to have that now. It's an immediate no. Now that doesn't mean that they're not going to get it or we can't have it or maybe it's not a good thing. It just means if there's that moment where, man, I've got to have this, then we always, based on our experience, say no. And what do we do first? We process, we pray, we lay it before the Lord, we get wise counsel, and then uh, we proceed that way as well as our kids do. They're learning that, which is awesome. When I bought that Jeep, I love correlating it with 1 Corinthians, which 1 Corinthians says this. It says, we only see in part dim, clouded view, a narrow perspective. You and I do not see Oftentimes, the full picture. Isaiah 55 says this. It says, 
the Lord says, for your thoughts are not my thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, my thoughts are higher than yours, and my ways are higher than yours. Now, if you and I let that sink in for a second, and we didn't know the rest of the word and the truth, we would go, well, I guess my lot in life is to, if God's ways are higher than mine and his thoughts are higher than mine, well, I guess my, my future is just me stumbling and trying to make my way with my own strength. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I guess I'm just going to have to do whatever I can to make the best of it, to make the best go of it in life. But thank God that that is not the case. As John 15, 5 says, he is the what? He is the vine. We are the branches. Everything that flows through the vine flows into and through us and is readily available for you and I. So when he says his thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are higher than ours, thank goodness he gives us a full access path to everything that he has. He calls us friends. We are his children. He offers every good thing to you and I, and it is at our disposal to live and walk out and use in our daily lives every single day. His wisdom, his power, his character, everything that he is. Because as we know, the word says what? It is not by our might. It's not by our power. It's not by our strength, our intellect, our ability, our talent, all those different things. It's by what? It is by his spirit that is living and breathing and moving within you and I. That's why if we were going to trust the Lord with all of our heart as he asks us to, lean not and rely not on our own understanding, then we have to do what? We have to get in the word on a daily basis. We have to worship him with all of our hearts. We have to get into his word so that we know him and develop an unbroken, listen to that, unbroken communion and relationship with him so that we can do what? And here's the last part that we're going to look at today. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not, rely not on your own understanding. What's the next part? Acknowledge him in all of our ways, and he'll do what? The promise he will make our paths straight. Now, acknowledging God means what? That means to look to him in every single aspect of our lives. Now, it's easy for you and I to do that, right? When we're on the mountaintop, when we're experiencing success, when everything is going well. But what about? As Psalm 23 says, when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, in the middle of it. What about when that path is filled with hurt, with pain, with disappointment, with disillusion, when we feel disqualified, when we feel like, man, that path that God talks about being straight looks crooked to me. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. What about those moments? Do we acknowledge him in every area of our lives because it's easy to trust him when things are going well. That's just paying lip service, so to speak. But our hearts are not in it. That's what Jesus called the Pharisees. He said, you're whitewashed tombs. You're just saying these things, paying me lip service, but man, your hearts are far from me. I don't think you really believe what you were saying. But let me tell you something. In those moments, when we experience the, the hurt, whatever it might be, the offense, 
the disappointment when things aren't going the way we thought they should go and they don't seem the way they should seem, do we jump ship? Do we take things back into our own hands? Do we lean and rely on our own understanding? Because in those moments, that is when our faith is forged. Think about that. That is when our faith is forged. That's when we see and understand and begin to understand who and what we truly believe in. Do we give place to panic? Do we freak out, so to speak? Do we go, oh my gosh, I, let, let's take something simple. I, I place my, misplace my wallet. And do we freak out about that and go crazy? I, when I was younger, I did. But I don't now. Let me tell you something, as believers, if every little thing that maybe is a bump in the road for you and I freaks us out and we give place to panic, let me tell you something, unbelievers, people who are, don't know Christ and are looking at us, they're not going to want to have any part of that. Why would they want to be, a, they would say to, me, to say to you and I, who do you trust in? This whole thing about trust in the Lord with all your heart doesn't look that way to me. Now I'm speaking to myself as well. But think about that for a second. We have to trust him in every area of our lives, not just when things are going well. Acknowledge him in all things. And what does he do? He makes our paths straight. When we rely on him and we trust in God, let me tell you something. We've all experienced hurt and disappointment. We've all experienced moments where we go, this doesn't look what I thought it was going to look like. But let me tell you what. The, the word says we don't have to be anxious for anything, that we can experience a peace that passes all the understanding. How in those moments do you and I do that? Because we have a deep and we have developed a deep-rooted trust and faith in our Savior who we know never leaves us never forsakes us, does not let us down, does not hide from us, but makes a way where there seems to be no way, amen? How awesome is that? That is trusting him in every area in all of our lives. I love John 16, one of my favorite verses. It says, you will be, and this is God speaking to us, he said, you will be unshakable at peace, deeply at peace and assured. I love this part. In this godless world, you and I will still experience difficulties. We live in a fallen world. But take heart, for I have what? I've conquered the world. I get excited about that. I have overcome this world. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. That is the resource, the source of all good things that we can tap into at any moment that he asks us to do on a daily basis. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. We are unshakable, deeply at peace and assured. In this godless world, you and I will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. For we serve one, we follow one, we believe in one with a firm belief, a certainty, and assurance of faith in one that has conquered this world, that has overcome this world. Amen? We're going to take communion this morning, but I'm going to end and wrap, wrap this up by saying this. That we serve a God. I didn't even look at all that. I don't know why I put that up there. It's just nice to know I can turn some pages. 
There was probably some good stuff on there. If we serve a God, as I said before, does not leave us, does not forsake us, does not let us down, does not fail us, does not hide from us. We serve a God that loves us, that drives away all fear because his love for us is perfect. We serve a God who in those moments we can trust in him because he makes a way where there seems in our natural eyes, in our natural mind and heart, there is no way. We serve a God who takes all things and does what? Works them together for the good of those who love him. That's you and I. That's why this morning we can have a complete confidence in Christ and we can know that when we walk in that God-given authority, so to speak, or confidence, that what? All of heaven is backing us up. That he is leading us and guiding us. It doesn't matter if we can see the whole picture or not. It doesn't matter if everything looks just like we might want it to look. None of that, none of that matters. To be in the center of God's will, to trust him with all of our heart, is to simply do what? To have a firm belief, a certainty, an assurance, a deep-rooted faith in our Savior, to trust him with all of our hearts. And as we begin with Psalm 1, out of that, we become trees that are planted by streams of living water that yield fruit in every season whose leaves do not wither and whatever we do prospers because he's going before us, because he de- his desires become our desires as we delight ourselves in him, because we seek his kingdom first and from that all the things are added and we, the list goes on and on and on. That's why his truth sets us free when we know this and we can walk in that confidence. 